Good afternoon, Loopers. Welcome to the next episode of Doc Tales. As you may know already, this is our bi-weekly event where we bring in some of our gold loopers. And gold loopers are anyone who has completed the entire Great Loop route. We bring them in to tell their tales or their stories of the Great Loop. So we're doing this during traditional dock tale time, which is typically when uh, Great Loopers arrive at the dock for the day and everyone is tied up and shares their cocktails and stories of the day. But these are dock tales as in stories. So today we have with us Mike and Sharon O'Malley who are gold loopers who did the loop on a little bit of a non-traditional boat for the loop. And they, as I, are great proponents of do the loop in a way that makes you happy. Uh, it's, it's really your loop and you should do it your way. And Mike and Sharon most certainly did do that. So I want to officially introduce them. We know, Sharon, we have a limited time with you, so we're going to go to you kind of early on. But um, let's start off, Mike and Sharon, share the details about the boat you looped aboard and, and why you chose her and uh, the name is my Sharona. So Mike, you can also tell us why that's the name of the boat. <laughs> so um, my brother, we started the loop in 2014 and about 10 years before that, we had a pontoon boat that we had on the Fox River up here in the Chicago area. And we have a brother, I have four brothers. Um, so there's five boys in our family. And my brother Tom lived in Miami Beach area, uh, right on the canal. And Jim said, we should take the pontoon boat to Miami and park it in front of Tom's million-dollar house on this canal because there's a ratty old pontoon boat. So Jim put the pontoon boat in Lake Michigan, went down the Illinois River uh, or the Chicago River to the Illinois River to the Mississippi River. And the Mississippi was over its banks. And uh, he could actually pull the boat right up to the uh, arch in St. Louis. So he did that, and then he continued on down. And when he got to Cape Girardeau, he blew the engine. So um, that ended the adventure. I told him just buy a new engine to continue, but he decided to bring the boat back. Well, I didn't find out until 10 years later that the reason that the engine blew was when he was in St. Louis by the arch, he hit a fire hydrant with the propeller of the boat and it bent the shaft and that caused all the issues. So the goal was him to get the boat to New Orleans and then I was gonna take the boat from New Orleans to Miami. Well, that never happened. But the sense of adventure and casting off your lines going stayed with me and I started looking for my perfect looper boat back in 2004. <laughs> so I would drag my poor wife to all these boat shows where we would look at boats. And I decided the best boat that would work for me would be a center council. I want because I figured it'd be easier to get through the locks and it fit into my price bracket. Um, so we looked at boats, looked at boats, and I was actually going to buy a scout center council. We met this wonderful guy by the name of Teague Curran from Pier 33 in St. Joe's, Michigan, and he was selling these scout boats, and they really looked nice, and he spent a lot of time talking with us without ever trying to sell me the boat. So I wasn't ready to pull the trigger then. So the following year, we went down to the boat show, and he had switched from selling scout boats to Rabalo boats. And I had seen Rabalos before, and I liked them. And we talked some more, talked some more. And finally, my wife told me to go buy the damn boat. That's right. <laughs> so we went, drove to Pier 33 uh, in St. Joe's, Michigan, and we signed the contract, and we ordered the boat. And I wanted to buy only an 18-footer. And Tig from Pier 33 talked me into the 20-footer, which uh, I was hesitant about, but I'm glad he did that. Then we had a big argument about the size of the engine. I wanted the 200 horse. He said I should have the 150 horse. Big argument. We, we got the 200 horse. He talked me into getting the Garmin chart plotter installed from the factory. We did that. So we ordered the boat on St. Patrick's Day weekend, so mm -hmm. in 2014, so this is the anniversary of ordering the boat. <laughs> Another and, reason to celebrate St. Uh, Patrick's Day. 
Yeah. Well, for one of us at least. And <laughs> and then on our anniversary, which is May 29th, uh, the boat was delivered to us at Pier 33. So on our anniversary, Sharon wrote the check to pay for the boat because <laughs> she bought it for me. So, and the center council fit into our needs. And what we did is we did our shakedowns and with the Yamaha outboard motor on it, you have to put um, 25 hours on it to break it in before you can open it up or do anything. So we drive every weekend up to St. Joe's, Michigan, which is about a two hour drive from our house, launch the boat, take it out, cruise around a little bit, go out for three or four hours, come back. And we did this for three weekends. We had like nine hours on it. And I said to Sharon, I go, this is killing me driving up here. So uh, I talked to them and we put it into Lake Michigan and we took it straight across to Chicago from St. Joe's. And we had a great ride going over. We kept it. Uh, I was blessed with someone in Chicago, belonged to Chicago Yacht Harbor and we were able to keep it at Belmont Harbor. And we used it there and we ran up the hours and then we took it back. Uh, we took it up north um, to Milwaukee and then uh, we took it back to St. Joe's, got all our oils changed for the instructions. Then we brought it back to Chicago and then we started our loop in October. Yeah, and we, we're um, just a couple quick notes. We're coming out live on our Facebook page for AGLCA as well as our Facebook group. If you're watching on the Facebook group, we can't um, type comments to you on the group. It's some strange setting in Facebook, but we will see your comments. And I think to submit a comment through the group, you actually have to give it permission um, for StreamYard, which is what we're broadcasting through to show your name. So we've got a few comments already. Um, the crew of Reverie, a shout out to Mike for his forum posts on the AGLCA forum. So thanks for that, Susan. And Mimi says hi to you both. Um, so <laughs> foot center console, um, Robalo 20 foot center console, not your typical loop boat, but probably something a lot of people have considered. Um, I know Sharon's got a work obligation, and one of the reasons you did the loop the way you did is because you do still work. Um, but so I want I want to focus a little bit on Sharon before we go too far into this and run out of time with her. So um, Sharon, you were shaking your head a little bit there when Mike was describing his experiences with with shopping for and purchasing the boat. Um, what are your thoughts on looping aboard a center console? You know what? This was his dream, not mine. I kept agreeing. Go for it. No problem. In my heart, I never thought this would happen. And things started happening. And I thought, okay, I'll just go along. And I started the actual route. And I actually fell in love with doing it. Um, my biggest problem with the small boat that we have is we have really no cabin to be in. So going to the bathroom could be quite challenging. So um, if I ever got another boat, I would ask that I have a bathroom on that boat. So that was one issue that I like. But you know what? The good thing about being on a small boat is we could go fast. We saw a lot. I did not have to sleep on the boat every night. I got a nice hotel room with a king-size bed and a shower. And um, we got to go out to lovely dinners every night because I don't have a kitchen on the boat. So it had its pros and its cons. And it's like, I think I really enjoyed it. And I don't know if I would want to do it on a big boat like that because this was a little bit more exciting. Well, and it is exciting and it's certainly different. Um, and a lot of us ladies at some of our, uh, and, and some of the men too, uh, at some of the <laughs> events that you've presented of have, have called, you know, Sharon gets the, the being a trooper award <laughs> for looping with Mike. Um, and I think it's a lot of, a question a lot of people have is you're in a center console, no cabin. So where do you sleep? So for the two of you, the choice was hotels at night. And I know Mike, you're in the travel industry. So that might've made that a little bit easier. Um, but talk a little bit, if you would, about that from a budget standpoint. You're obviously paying less to tie up the boat. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? Either one of you can answer that. But what are your thoughts on, you know, budget-wise of, of actually sleeping in a hotel room the nights that you're along the loop? So um, my hotel cost was $100 or less, except 
and Cape May and in New Jersey. Every place else were less than $100. Um, I also get five miles to the gallon on my boat. So where some boaters are getting one mile to the gallon, I'm using a lot less fuel costs. You know, dockage was a lot less. And then the thing is upkeep maintenance is a lot less. So the hotel, when you figure out the cost of what it costs me to do the loop compared to other people in their 25 to 35 foot boats, or even up to 50, I'm, I'm probably, when you add everything up, the same cost as like a 30 footer for expenses. But then when you get up into the 50 footer people, I'm a lot cheaper. And that's interesting to know because a lot of people who have looked at doing a loop in a smaller boat like that often talk about, they ask us questions about camping um, and things along that line. Um, and that certainly wasn't your mode. And it's interesting that you actually found staying in a hotel to be a little bit less costly. Um, so Sharon, you didn't do the entire loop with Mike. Mike had a kind of a cast of characters rotating in and out. Um, so before we have to let you go, share some of the favorite parts of the loop that you did do with him. Well, after 38 years of marriage, Mike knew I was not a camper. So camping was <laughs> not even an option for me, okay? I went camping once when I picked up my kids from Boy Scout camp, and, and I have stories about that one night. So he knew it was hotels or nothing if I went. Um, it's like, so he started in October because he had broken his knee. And, you know, so that delayed him. We were hoping to leave in August. There was no way I was going to get on a boat at the end of October in the cold. I'm not a cold person. I don't like to be in the cold. So he's the adventurous one. So I said, as long as you have no one to, you know, if you have someone to go with, be my guest. Um, so he did. He found people to go along with him. And I decided to redecorate the house while he was doing his trip. And um, so I kind of hit So it. let me stop you right there. So not counting the remodeling cost of the house, it was cheaper to do it on a 20-foot center council because she that. spent more money on the remodeling than I spent doing the loop that week. I say that sounds fair. I'm with you, Sharon. That sounds fair. Yeah, exactly. So the one stipulation I did hit, I had a couple. I said he could not travel alone. He needed a partner. I didn't want to worry about him. I tried to do as much as I possibly could, but working, I didn't always have the vacation time or there were commitments at work. So my one stipulate, the other stipulation that I did have was I had to be with him when we went past the Statue of Liberty. And that was probably my favorite part, being so close to the Statue of Liberty on our own boat. It was May when we did this. I never thought I would be wearing a penguin hat because I was so cold. Um, I think it was Memorial Day weekend. It was our anniversary weekend. It was week. Memorial Day weekend. Our anniversary weekend. It was weekend. our anniversary weekend. And it was just like rainy and cold, but it was the neatest experience to do that. Um, some other highlights, I loved pulling into Savannah. Um, we stayed at the Hyatt. Hyatt and then parked right along the hotel and then just strolled through town. That was probably one of the nicest places we had ever been and thoroughly enjoyed that trip. Um, so those were probably my two favorite highlights of the trip going through there. And I, I really did enjoy going down the Erie Canal because it was kind of a historic, um, experience and just kind of need to do when you think how they used to, you know, have donkeys pulling boats down this canal. It was really just a lot of history and really neat to do. So those are some great highlights. Tell us about some of the other memorable experiences. Because <laughs> I've heard you share a few of them. Um, and of course, in a 20 foot center console, you're a little bit less protected than some of the other yeah. boats out there. So talk a little bit about some of those other memorable experiences you had while on the loop? Well, Mike tried to kill me in the middle of Lake Okeechobee, but I wouldn't die. Um, it was one of those things we couldn't decide if, if the weather was going to be with us, if we should stop. 
but we had stopped for gas and the attendant said, oh, no problem. You'll make it across Lake Okeechobee without an issue. Well, we were in the middle of Lake Okeechobee, six foot waves coming over the boat. Um, I knew I was in trouble when Mike said to me, come sit next to me, put your raincoat on. You know, he's really very chill. But when he starts barking orders like that, I'm like, uh-oh, he's getting nervous. So I did everything he said. And we're, I had no idea where we were. And he was maneuvering. I, I never drove the boat once. I was totally a passenger the whole time. I don't even know if I could dock the boat if I really had to, which is probably not a good thing. But that's how it happened. And so we're in the middle of this the lake. And I finally said, should we go back? Because the waves came over, they knocked my contacts off my eye. I couldn't see where we were going. The rain was in my face. Raincoat didn't help. And finally, it's like the storm just stopped. We got to the lock and the lock master looked at us and thought we were absolutely crazy. And we just started to laugh. So it's been a very good good tale to talk about being stuck in the middle of a storm with all this rain, no protection. And he started to sing the sun will come out tomorrow because he knew I was afraid. Our son was getting married. It was May. Our son was getting married in like three weeks. And I kept saying, please, God, don't let me die. I want to go to my son's wedding. So he started to sing and, and I started laughing and we made it through. So a little nervous wrecking for me but um you know we were here to talk about it so that was a good thing yeah well and so. a lot of loopers have experiences <laughs> like that regardless of the size of the boat so you're not alone in that um and you're right it's some of the um maybe not as pleasant experiences at the time can sometimes turn out to be some of the most memorable and docktail worthy <laughs> experiences. So we've had a couple right. more shout outs to you. Alex Ertz says, hi. Hey, Alex, thanks for joining us again. We know we've seen you at a lot of these. We appreciate you being here. Um, and Victoria, uh, I think, has found the My Sharona video on YouTube for everybody to listen along to while we're, we're watching. So, Mike, I don't think you shared yet why the boat is called My Sharona. So, while I've had many boats, I've never named a boat. And I realized that in order to do the loop and go through the locks, you have to have a name. So, you know, at lunch every day, I would eat with different employees and would sit there and we'd talk about the boat and all that. And I was saying, I should name the boat. And my mom had died a couple years earlier. And I was thinking about naming it after my mother. And my mother's name was Ronnie. And I was going to call it the Ronnie O after my mother. And then I said, well, my mother didn't buy me this boat. My wife did. So then I said, well, I should probably name the boat after my wife. So I was thinking about it, thinking about it. And what had happened is we had gotten a piece of mail years before from the bank. And Sharon's name is Sharon A. O'Malley. And they moved the neck, A neck, and it became Sharon. Well, I thought it was funny. My wife did not think it was real funny. And then our precious daughter, Elizabeth, when she was in an argument with her mother or whatever, she'd come out to me and put her hands on her. She goes, your wife, Sharona. And she would say that. So I was like, oh, my God, I should name the boat my Sharona after my wife. And I don't think Sharon was really appreciative <laughs> of it at first, but she's grown to like it. And everyone knows her as Sharon from my Sharona. So that's how we got the name. And when we pull in, we've been boating all summer on the last summer on the Fox River, but we go through the locks or we pull into a place and people just start singing my Sharona mm -hmm. all the time. And even on the loop, when we're doing the loop, when we pull into places, people would just break out in the song singing my Sharona. So it's it's a funny name. It's fun. It's light. And uh, Sharon's Law has learned to enjoy it. Yeah. No, it, it is. It is fun when people start saying, hey, my Sharona, and they start singing. So mm -hmm. yep. that's fun. It's a great, and it's a very memorable name, so I like it. Um, this is one of our- Hey, Kim, if you, wanna, if you wanna buy us a boat, I'll call it, <laughs> hey, Kim. I was gonna see if you'd buy me a boat. <laughs> so uh, one of our, um, and again, if you're watching in the Facebook group, uh, we can't see who you are unless you give Facebook permission to share your name with us. If you're watching on the Facebook 
on the AGLCA page on Facebook, it's a little bit different. So we've got a few comments coming in from Facebook users. Not quite sure who they are, but um, someone, Mike, was kind of giving you a shout out for remembering your anniversary date. So good for you on that one. Um, and another one well, to us all. I love with Dan. I'm sorry? So I'm, bl I'm blessed with that. See, our son, John, his birthday's May 2nd. So I just need to add seven days onto his birthday. And I know it's my anniversary. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Um, and I never let him forget his son's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and we got a hi from, uh, out to all three of us from um, Adrift, um, my Dory 3. So uh, thank you for that. Um, again, we apologize if you're on Facebook in the Great Loop group. We just get a message that says a Facebook user had a comment. I think there is a way for you to tell us who you are, um, but it may be just as easy for you to type it in the comments like this one did. So I want to talk a little bit more. And, and Sharon, whenever you have to go, we, we completely understand. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the boat, because that is one of the unusual things, one of the many unusual things about the two of you and your story. Um, but of course, doing a loop on a 20-foot center console is unusual. Um, you talked a little bit about why you chose that boat, Mike, uh, but tell us a little bit more about, you know, bullet points, what it is about a center console in the 20-foot range that met your needs for the loop. Well, I like to be out in the open. So whether it's rain, sun, um, I like it all. So we spent all of... 2017 in rain gear because it rained pretty much every day. Um, but I like being out in the open. And I like what left of my hair blowing in the wind. Uh, and I just got a haircut. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, I did notice that because when you joined us for um, Looper Palooza, you had a lot more hair and you had a big beard, which was a new look for you. Right, right. So now I'm uh, back to clean shaven. Uh, looking. But um, no, I just like being out in the open and I, I just feel more with nature at that point. And um, it, it just being doing the loop in segments and still having work, I had to cover a lot of territory and we, we saw a lot of places. And, you know, in the travel business, Sharon and I have traveled a lot and we've seen a lot of things, but this gave us areas that we've never seen before. Uh, which made it absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it fit into my budget because brand new, the boat out the door with all the bells and whistles on it was $45,000, which is a lot of money, but in the big scheme of other looper boats, it's not that expensive. Right. So it just fit into my budget. Right. So it made it more of an adventure too. Absolutely true. <laughs> so give us some of the specs. You mentioned, um, I think you said uh, four miles per gallon. What Not to correct you, but five, five miles to the gallon. <laughs> five miles to the gallon. Um, what was your typical cruising speed? So I would average uh, 23 miles an hour. And that was a good speed just to cruise along, maneuver around, uh, very vigilant on the water rivers to watch for debris in the water, that type of thing. Um, I'm a... I'm a really conscientious boater in the fact that if I'm coming by a paddle boater or small canoes or anything, uh, I'll throttle down and pass them in a no wake zone. Um, when we're doing the lock uh, just south of the Illinois River, um, we actually ended up rescuing two canoes that uh, got caught up in some backwash and couldn't get out. And the lock master sent me over and we tied them off. Uh, to our boat and dragged them through the lock with us. And they were really, really happy. It was two guys and two girls. And it was funny, both guys were Eagle Scouts. Um, and they had done an upward bound all summer and they were heading by canoe down the New Orleans. So we could stop and talk to people along the way on the river. And we just had a lot of nice conversations. Mm -hmm. So traveling at a, a faster speed than a lot of loopers, did you tend to travel for fewer hours each day or did you cover more ground each day? So somebody going eight knots would cover, you know, the, the same ground as you would in an hour, they'd cover that in, you know, two to three. So 
how did you plan you know your stops so uh, i would do a planning um where i would have because i wouldn't know what the weather would be like i had an idea what it would be like but i'd have uh point a point b point c i didn't know how long the locks would take so then if everything worked perfectly, I'd get to C. If it didn't work perfectly, I'd get to B. And if nothing worked right, I'd get to A. So I just did it that way. Um, the longest day we did was 250 miles in 12 hours. And we went from Hoppies to uh, Kentucky Dam State Park, the long way around. Because uh, there's two locks to get into those lakes. We went to the second lock and then came back through to do that. Um, our shortest day we ever did, I think we're three hours, uh, maybe four when we went from Savannah to, um, Charleston. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, that was a short day. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we crossed, when we crossed, we crossed from Apalachicola straight across the Tarpon Springs. Uh, we started out slow cause we had some heavy wave action and fog um, and we're doing maybe five miles an hour at the start. And by the time we're halfway through, it came calm and we cruised pretty much 23 miles an hour through that. Uh, thank you, Alex, Lake Barkley. See, I'm, 60, I'm 64. Now I can forget half the stuff I know. So that's why I have Alex to help me with this. And Alex is a great guy, by the way. He's a great friend, which I've never met in person. And someday, I'm going to give him the biggest bear hug he's ever had because he's just been very helpful along the way, not only to me, but new loopers and everybody in between. Yep, but, absolutely. Uh, Alex is full of knowledge, especially the river systems, but also the Erie Canal route that a lot of people will be taking this year. And um, Alex actually spoke at one of our rendezvous a few years ago. You and, and Mike has too. I think the two of you just never overlapped, but Alex presented about um, – kind of stress-free cruising. That was a great presentation. Thank so thank you, Alex. For all this you know. Bye, Sharon. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Let's see who it is. So, so uh, our, it's, our phone's ringing means that it's it's uh, one of those stupid calls, sales calls. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was uh, somebody looking for Sharon for work. So you were just kind of filling us in on how you planned where you'd stop. Um, how many, if you calculated this, um, I know you cruised in segments and we'll talk about that in a minute, but how many actual cruising days did it take you to finish the loop at the speeds that you were typically traveling? So I just, I ran it up. Give me one second. Yeah. And, uh, we did it over, um, We did it as a total of 12 trips. And then the last couple of trips were only three or four day trips. But most of the time, the trips we would, like when we left Chicago, we left on a Sunday and we were back in Chicago the following Sunday. So mm -hmm. trip one, we went from Chicago to uh, Aqua Yacht Harbor um, and then flew home on a Sunday. And then we flew down there the day after Thanksgiving, Aqua Yacht Harbor. And I thought on that trip, I would get no farther than Pensacola. Um, but the gods of the locks were behind me. And by Saturday, we were pulling in Harpen Springs, which is okay. we just had great weather, great lock stuff, things like that. So normally, I would travel seven days at a time with the last three trips only be in two or three days because of weather issues and stuff like that. Okay. So probably, if I'm doing the math correctly, maybe about 60 travel days total. Does that sound about right? So let's see. Let me do it. Uh, 70, uh, probably about 80 travel days. About 80 travel days. And for those who maybe aren't familiar, Aqua Yacht Harbor is start of the 10, Tom? Can't think of the yes, name of the Yes, it's right above the Tom Waterway. Which is a great, that's a great, I love rivers. I love doing rivers. Um, yes. Probably because I've done a lot of boating on the Fox River up here in, outside Chicago. But I, I could go up and down the Mississippi and the Illinois all the time. Mm -hmm. To me, they're fun. 
Mm -hmm. So a lot of the questions we get from people contemplating looping in segments have to do with logistics. Um, so you, for example, Mike, um, did this over, I think you said 12 trips and you would cruise for a week at a time and then fly home for work. Some folks uh, with a boat like yours would probably consider trailering it back and forth so they could use it in between. Um, so with, with your decision, first of all, tell us why you decided to leave the boat where it was instead of trying to get it back home. And second of all, tell us how you went about finding a place to leave it. Okay, so the I didn't want to deal with the logistics of getting a car and a trailer to where I was going to. Um, because it's too involved for me. So what I decided to do is find a marina with a dry rack, dry stack program. And then I would email them and say, I plan to be here on such and such a date. Um, I'm going to leave the boat for X amount of time. What would it be? And then they come back with a price. And I'd say, you got to realize that I'm getting it pulled out once and put back in the water once. And you do better on the rate. And then they'd come back, we negotiate it, and um, then I'd find it. And these people were really accommodating. So I'd pull it in, they'd pull it out of the water, we'd clean it, wash it out, and then they'd put it up on the rack. And um, like we ended up the third week of October, we left it in Luca at Aqua Yacht Harbor. Um, it was left there for like five weeks. And then when we got to Tarpon Springs in the first week of December, it stayed in Tarpon Springs to May. I just couldn't get out of work. So our next venture was May, so it sat down there. So instead of trying to get down to Florida to tow the boat back, um, that's how we did it. So we just put it in dry rack the entire time around. And then I had a nice clean bottom right whenever I came back. And uh, Alex has has clarified for us that um, Aqua Yacht Harbor is in Iuka, Mississippi, um, which is at the the start of the Tennessee Tom Bigby Waterway. So thank you for that, Alex. Um, so I think one of the things maybe Mike that was a little bit different. You, Kim, you need to you know how to speak Southern, okay? Because I call it Luca and it's Iuka, and I always say it wrong. You know what? I think the capital I looks like an L, so we hear Luca a lot, but it is actually Iuka. Um, so, so yes, that is a beautiful spot in Mississippi. Um, I, I think one of the things, Mike, that you did a little bit differently than others who may be considering segments and considering trailering is that you went fairly often, um, back to the boat to continue on. So it wasn't like this was something you were doing just for summers. Uh, I wanted the boat back in the Chicago area where you live to cruise in between. Um, what's the overall time frame it took you to do the loop? You know, when did you start and when did you finally cross your wake? So we started in uh, 2014. We did two weeks there. Then we did it in 15. And I, I don't know how many weeks I did there. But then we took the year of 16 off because our daughter Elizabeth was getting married. So what we did is my son Mikey um, went out to Maryland because the boat was in uh, Maryland at that time and he put the boat on the trailer or you know the marina did and he towed it back and we used it around the Chicago land area for that summer and then it spent the winter here and then Sharon and I towed it back to Maryland uh, to launch it to continue the loop and then um, we brought the uh, trailer back again so it, that worked out to do it that way but you know it was uh two trips to and from with the car and the trailer to get it done. Um, but we started our platinum loop in November of this year. And the goal was, um, cause we didn't know how far it get was to bring the boat back. So uh, my son, Mikey and his wife were gonna um, come pick up the boat wherever we got to. And we'd bring it back to Chicago. And then when we continued on next year, uh, we'd take it to that point to continue on. So um, the next time around platinum time, I may be doing it with a trailer and towing it back and forth, or I may be dry racking it. I'm not sure. Haven't decided yet. 
Well, if you do decide to tow it back and forth, definitely keep us posted because we get lots of questions about the logistics of that. Um, so it's, it, you know, it's, it's a good question. I, so, any experience that you had, I mean, you never were in a position where you had to store the trailer someplace while you continued, correct? Well, no, we did. We had to do it in one. So when we took the boat back out to, uh, to bring it back from Maryland, Sharon and I went out, to, towed the trailer out to Maryland to pick it up in um, 15, no, in 16. So, uh, again, it was our anniversary weekend. And uh, so I took Sharon to Washington, D.C., and which is one of my favorite cities. I just love D.C. And we were staying at a hotel, and they wouldn't let me park their tra my trailer in the hotel. So I found a marina just south of D.C., about 45 minutes, and uh, negotiated a rate with that guy to leave the trailer there for four days while we explored D.C. And we came back down, got the trailer, went and picked up the boat. And then we took the boat through the Blue Ridge Mountains on the back of the car. And we went to uh, Gettysburg with the boat. And we took the boat a lot of places with us. It got a good tour of the heartland of the uh, United States. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, thank you. I thought Blue Ridge Mountains was pretty daring uh, towing a boat. I don't know if I'd want to be driving a boat through the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah, the nice thing is I was using my son's car, so I didn't worry about damaging yeah. it. And so, um, go on. No, go ahead. I'm not sure if we still have you, Mike. Your screen. I'm here. Broke. I can hear you now. Okay. I lost right. you there for a minute. Okay, so Sharon fill us in on some of her favorite stops or favorite moments. Why don't you go ahead and, and tell us what some of your favorites were? Well, I had one of my goals was to get to Washington, D.C. on the boat because I love that town. But we're on the Potomac and we we're going to run up the following day, and they had talked about rain and thunderstorms for two days. And, I didn't want to put Sharon through another thunderstorm, so we we waved on that. We were at Colonial Beach at the time, and we had a great time there. Um, but one of my bucket list item places was to get to Annapolis with the boat because I'd been to Annapolis many times, and it was just for me just great to pull in past all those million dollar yachts, and we just in my little tiny boat, and uh, we belong to the MTOA, which is a sister organization of AGLCA. And they work in different areas, but um, with them you get access to yacht clubs. And we went to the Annapolis Yacht Club and I took Sharon to get a drink there. And we met this couple and they're like, oh, are you new to the yacht club? And I said, no, we're, we're coming from, uh, we're doing a thing called the Great Loop. He goes, oh, I've heard about that, that sounds great. He goes, what type of boat are you on? And I told him the 20-foot center council. He goes, no, there's no way you're doing it on that. I said, no, we're doing it on a 20-foot center council. So I said, what type of you, boat do you have? He says, oh, I have a Grady White, twin-inch and Grady White. I go, oh, my God, that's a fabulous boat. And I go, um, where have you taken it? And well, first I asked him how long he had it. He's had it for three years. I said, how far, where have you gone with it? He goes, oh, I usually maybe 10, 15 miles from an app. And that's it. And I looked at him. I said, if I had that boat, I'd be I'd going up to northern Chesapeake Bay. I'd go down to Norfolk. I'd go to Washington, D.C. You know, so and he's like, yeah, I should do that. But um, that was one of my favorite places to pull into. Uh, Love pulling in the Savannah with the boat. That was great. Um, pulling in the Hilton Head past the iconic lighthouse that sits on the Intercoastal Waterway. That was cool. Um, the, of course, New York Statue of Liberty, that was fun um, to see that. The, uh, <laughs> so New York Harbor. So Sharon, I still don't know how this happened, but Sharon had to get back to work and I wanted to get the boat up the Hudson River. So Sharon went home that day from New Jersey and my son, who was living in Denver, my oldest son, John, mysteriously appeared in New York City to take the ride up the Hudson River with me. So John, then Sharon and I did the Statue of Liberty the day before. And then the next day, John and I did the Statue of Liberty. 
and he was working at Johnson Wales University at the time as a professor, and he had his big Johnson Wales banner hanging out, and we got a picture of him standing in front of the Statue of Liberty. So it was a great time, three days with John, and John got to m meet the Wilson family because they were up in the uh, Albany area at that time. They were having engine trouble. So you know what? You meet people along the way, and it's, it's, it's very nice. The other uh, – Charleston was a little bit of an interesting thing because it was just right after that tragic incident and we showed up in Charleston. And I have never felt more comfortable and more welcomed in a city than I was in Charleston. The people there were just so nice after that tragedy that it was just unbelievably great. And then we went over to the military academy, which I've always wanted to see. So, um, and then... My, we did the Erie Canal route. We came down through the Erie Canal because I've always wanted to go to Put-in Bay. That's on my was on my bucket list item, and we went in the Put-in Bay and spent the night there. And the water was crystal clear there. It was nice. It was fun just to walk around and see things. And we rented a golf cart and drove around the island. We had a great time. I did this with a buddy of mine, Larry Pudelic. We went to grammar school together with. Um, so that was a lot of fun, but I love pretty much, I can't say I never had a bad day, even with that storm on Lake Okeechobee, to me, it wasn't a bad day. It was, it was a great day. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's nice to have your son, John here. I've actually met your other son, Mikey at the Chicago boat show a few years ago. I don't know if you remember that. Um, but now, so we've had John, John chime in as well. So good to see the whole O'Malley family. Um, we've got a right. shout out, uh, um, again, if you're watching on the great loop Facebook group, it doesn't feed to us who you are. If you're watching on the AGLCA Facebook page, it does. Um, so we got a, Hey there from somebody on the group. So wanted to just acknowledge that we heard that. I'm not sure who that was. You can type that in the comments if you want. Um, we also can't type comments back to you if you're in watching on the great loop group, if you're watching on our page, you've been seeing us typing back to some of those. So um, just wanted to explain what's going on there. So thank you for that shout out, uh, whoever's there watching in the group. Um, and we've also got uh, Wes, who is a member, um, is <laughs> mentioning that looping on a 20-foot center console is better than staying in Illinois. In the winter, I would absolutely agree with that. But aside from that, Chicago is actually one of my favorite cities. And I know, Mike, you're born and raised in Chicago. So that's... Uh, much loved by you. You've, you've shown me around Chicago on multiple occasions. Right. I'm, I, I do love Chicago. It's a great city. Um, Wes hates Illinois, hates our governor, hates everything about Illinois. And he's, he, he's not afraid to share that with anyone. So that's fine. So we have a little joke going back and forth. I do have to give a shout out though, to Tom Jackson. Tom Jackson is, is a great individual um, I'm not sure if he's online with us. I told him we were going to be doing this. But Tom Jackson did the two first segments with me of the loop. Mikey, which is my number two son, and I call him Mikey. He's 34, 35 years old. Uh, him and his wife are expecting their first baby in August. Um, but and Mikey's six foot four and he played college football, but he's he's to our family, he'll always be Mikey. Um, but Mikey was supposed to do the first was supposed to do the loop with me and he ended up, I fell down and broke my kneecap in August and I couldn't travel. And then we we're going to go in October. And then he ended up having an emergency uh, surgery and he couldn't go. So I was looking for someone to go. So um, I had reached out to Sharon's cousin's husband, who was a retired Chicago policeman who did a lot of boating and he asked him if he'd go with me. And at first he said yes, and two days later he was like, he needed to know specific, like, where we're going to spend every night, how are we going to get home, where are we going to end up, all this stuff. And I said to him, I go, Bob, this is a sense of adventure. We don't know anything until it happens. We're just going to go day by day and see what happens. So he said, then I can't go. I just can't handle the stress of this. And I said, Okay. So then Sharon's like, you can't go by yourself. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm thinking, who could I get? And I called up Tom Jackson. John, Tom Jackson was my son's John, one of his scout leaders and Boy Scouts, great guy. And I said to Tom, I said, will you go with? And Tom's like, and I knew he was retired. He goes, 
you know, I got a part-time job. He goes, um, but I'm going to see if they'll let me off. I said, okay, let me know. He goes, you know, I don't know a lot about boating, so I don't know how big of a help I'll be. And I said, well, Tom, I don't know anything about boating, so we'll do well together. And he's like, okay. So he calls me back three hours later. He said, I talked to my boss. He said, I can have the time off. But I want to let you know that if he wouldn't let me off, I was going to quit on the spot because I wanted to do this adventure. And to this day, you know, he did this in 2014 with me. He still talks about it like it was yesterday in a good way. He loved every minute going down the Illinois and going all the way to Florida on that boat. And he didn't care where we ended up that night. He didn't know what. He was just a great crew member, helped with the lock lines and things like that. So good shout out to Tom Jackson. Yeah. And a shout out also to Susan Pellet, uh, Susie Q. Um, Susan says that Chicago was her favorite city on the loop. And a lot of loopers would agree with you there, Susan. And um, this from a Facebook user, Facebook user whose name we can't see. Um, yep, a 20-foot center console. Um, we are chatting, if you tuned in late, with Mike O'Malley. He is a gold looper, which means he's completed the whole route, and he did it aboard his 20-foot center console. Um, so a little bit unusual in that respect. So if you're curious about that and some of those details, uh, once we finish this recording, we'll stay on Facebook, and you can kind of go back and check out some of the details from the beginning. Um, but yeah, that's one of the, besides the fact that Mike is uh, very personable, we also wanted to include him in this um, because he and Sharon are a lot of fun and because they did it on an unusual boat. We've got about 15 minutes left before we wrap this up, and we are happy to take any questions that those of you who are watching on Facebook may have. So feel free to type those. Um, question from a Facebook user says, what were the other boats? I'm not sure what that's referring to. Did you oh, just no, I know what he means because I had okay. said I've had many boats before this. Gotcha. So we yeah. had a twenty-four, we had a twenty-four foot pontoon boat. But I have to start say that I started my boating career when I was in sixth grade in the Boy Scouts, when I earned my canoeing merit badge and my rowing merit badge. And then I've had a job boat. Um, I've operated a dive boat up in Lake Superior, um, which was a Sea Ray twenty-six foot Sea Ray. Um, down in Cozumel, Mexico, we've chartered some boats down there, done some fishing boats out of Marathon, uh, like a 40-foot um, express cruiser. So I do have good boating experience. And, of course, I have two things that my wife absolutely despises and hates, and she wish I'd get rid of them. We have two personal watercrafts, which are just a blast. And <laughs> I'm on my second version of those. So we've had um, – Four of them. We've had two, and then we replace them with two new ones. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who aren't members or didn't realize this, um, in 2020, when before the pandemic hit, when everyone is, was expecting the Illinois waterway lock closure to be the biggest news and the biggest obstacle for loopers in 2020, um, Mike, being from Chicago, was trying to help people get comfortable with the idea that even if the locks didn't open, until I guess it was late October that was the they were planned to open October very end of October. Mike was really trying to help people understand that it can still be done because he had left Chicago pretty late on his first loop. So he started his second loop by leading loopers basically when the locks reopened out of Chicago, um, had good weather, but did start his second loop then. And it was a much smaller flotilla than was expected because a lot of loopers didn't continue after the pandemic hit and canals were closed and all kinds of things happened. Um, but Mike did do that for loopers. So that was the start of his platinum loop. And Alex would like to know, Mike, what part of the loop you're going to do this year? As much as I possibly can, Alex. So uh, we only got as far as Peoria due to uh, COVID issues with my son, who's going to come pick me up with the trailer. Uh, so we're going to throw the boat in Peoria, and we're going to just play it by ear and see how far we get down. Uh, we definitely plan to be at Aqua Yacht Harbor this summer. Uh, I don't know what part of the summer. You know, hopefully we'll get to Mobile. Will we get to Florida? Don't know. Uh, a lot of unknowns, uh, but that's the fun of doing the loop the way I do it. You just roll with it, and you just never know, and that's part of the fun for me. No schedule. 
-hmm. If you had your choice, uh, would you keep doing it in a 20 foot center console or would you do something more traditional that most people would consider a more traditional looping boat? You know what? I had so much fun on this, on the 20 footer the first time around. I'm just going to do it again the second time around. Mm -hmm. um, and if someone said to me, hey, Mike, here's a new 30 footer with a cabin and blah, blah, blah. I'd say, no, thanks. I'm going to keep my 20 foot center console. Uh, because I like it, you know, and a lot of people get two foot itis and bigger is better and all that stuff. And, um, it just, I'm happy with it. And it, it does everything I needed to do. It's an offshore boat. It handles the ocean It handles waves. So, and I, I'm kind of the anti-electronics guy too, because, um, and I'll get this in trouble with Ben Stein. Because Ben Stein, to anyone out there, he's the editor and owner of Panbo Magazine. Ben is the smartest guy when it comes to electronics. And if you ever, and he's a sponsor of the AJLCA, and if you ever need help or anything, you reach out to him. His knowledge is unbelievably phenomenal. But um, when we did the, the loop the first time and again the second time, uh, we had uh, two handheld VHF uh, radios. Um, we had our chart plotter with depth finder and I had a personal locator beacon and I had my compass and my depth finder and I had all my waterway guys. It's also a sponsor of the AGLCA. And I tell you, it's like the old American express commercial. You don't leave home without them. Those books are just unbelievably phenomenal in information. Uh, to help you get through the loop. So I'm a big believer in those waterway guides. So we're uh, just for those watching, we are still uh, perfectly happy to take your questions if you've got them. Um, so would Sharon agree with you that this is the right boat for the Platinum Loop? Yes, she was on board. Uh, she was a little hesitant about the cold in October going into November. <coughs> But we're kind of blessed with warm weather. When we did it, it was 60 degrees to 70 degrees, which is nice. Some people left off on October 31st, uh, and they had snow further down. But it was just – we don't even call that snow. It was just a light flurry. It was no big deal. Uh, <laughs> but Sharon's birthday is October 31st, and she said, I do not want to spend my birthday on that boat. That was her only role. So Makes sense. Got to do what Sharon would like. She is, is certainly um, very good at allowing you to, to go on your 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 trips. Um, and I love that she did the parts that were interesting to her and that she most wanted to see. Um, again, you both still work, which is part of the reason for the mode you decided to do the Great Loop. One thing that you're kind of famous for, Mike, in our forum um, is kind of your 31 flavors idea. So tell those watching what that's all about. Okay, so Baskin Robbins is an ice cream store in the Chicagoland area, and their advertisement is they have 31 flavors because some months have 31 days. And so the thing is you could pick a different flavor every day and come and have ice cream every day. So, But everyone has their favorite ice cream. Some people like chocolate, vanilla, Jamocha Almond Fudge, Rocky Road. You know, you can go on and on. So what I try to explain to people is, you know, when you ask questions on the forum, you're going to get answers back from people who are validating what they've done. So, and I try not, I don't tell people to do the loop on a 20-foot center council. That's what I did it on, and I had a blast. I loved every minute of it. But I try to be encouraging. If people say they want to do it on a 34-footer, I encourage them to do that. But then you have people who have a 50-footer and said, no, you can't do it on a 30-footer. You need a 50-footer or vice versa, and it goes back and forth. So that's why I say I have two things. I say, you know, 31 flavors of ice cream. Everyone has their own flavor of ice cream. And the other thing is if you ask someone who owns a Lexus what type of car to buy, they're not going to tell you to buy a Chevy. So, you know, that's the keep in mind. So that's what I try to tell people. Yeah, and it's so true. I mean, there's so many ways to do the loop, and a 20-foot center console is not actually the smallest vessel that's done it. Um, so there's there's no right or wrong way as long as you are doing it safely um, and in a sure. vessel that can handle the type of seas 
that you will come across. And yes, it is mostly an inland trip, but you do have to go through the Gulf of Mexico, whether you go straight across or whether you take the big bend route, you're still out in the open water for many hours. Um, there's the Great Lakes, there's Lake Okeechobee, as Mike and Sharon found out, can kick up some pretty significant waves. And there's lots of inlets and sounds along the way that can, in certain weather conditions, can really cause some um, foul conditions for a boat. So, you know, we get asked all the time, is this boat suitable for the loop? Is that boat suitable for the loop? It's a very personal choice as long as it is safe and can handle some waves. Um, you know, a lake boat, for example, a pontoon boat might be a challenge. And I, I know there's people who have done it. It certainly wouldn't be, you know, my recommendation. Um, but a lot of it depends on the design, design of the boat and boats are all different. And Mike mentioned his 20 foot center console is, is ocean going, um, you know, Oroballo is, is made for rough seas. So that was important. And Mike, you're also extremely safety conscious. I know um, with life jackets and, and kill switches and all the recommended things for that type of boat. Correct. Well, oh yeah. I, you know what, the moment I step foot on the boat, um, I have my life jacket on. I wear inflatable <coughs> and I'm so used to wearing it that um, when we were going down the Illinois, we pulled in the Pierre Marquette uh, State Park to stay at their hotel. And it had been raining all day and we went up to check into the hotel and the people are looking at me because I'm in full rain gear and I have my life jacket on. Mm -hmm. And they, they looked at me and they said, uh, sir, we know it's raining, but we don't get flooded out here. <laughs> and, I, and I said, oh, I forgot to take it off and leave it on the boat. But that's happened a couple times where I've gotten off the boat and I've gone do something and I've got my life jacket again because it's just so natural. And everyone, I tell the story of my nephew, Patrick, who I'm very proud of, uh, Patrick Ryan. He's my brother Tom's son. Uh, Patrick's in uh, the military. Uh, he's a lieutenant colonel in the uh, Air Force Reserve right now. And Sharon, after we crossed Lake Okeechobee, we pulled in the Stewart, Florida, and Sharon had to go back to work, and I had five more days. So Patrick joined me to take the boat up to Jacksonville. And Pat got on the boat, and he said, I handed him the life jacket and put it on, and he said, you know, Uncle Mike, I'm a pilot in the uh, Air National Guard. He was with the Air National Guard at the time. I'm a pilot in the Air National Guard. I've done four tours to Afghanistan as a C-130 pilot. He goes, I'm not wearing a life jacket. And I looked at him. I said, Pat, I'm only going to say this once. I said, I'm the captain of this vessel, and what I say goes. And if I say you wear a life jacket, you wear a life jacket. I said, I brought this boat all the way from Chicago. I've never been stopped by the Coast Guard, uh, the police, the sheriffs, any waterway law enforcement agency, because they see me coming by. Even though I have Michigan numbers, they see I'm wearing a life jacket and everyone's got a life jacket on and they leave us alone. And his comment back to me was, how do you adjust this? <laughs> and he, and he wore. Right, he wore. So, yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that you step foot on my boat, you're wearing a life jacket. Yeah, well, the fact that you, have a, um, you mentioned that you carry a personal locator beacon, um, which some loopers do, many don't, but for, particularly for your type of boat and the type of cruising you're doing, um, you know, that's important because in, in that type of boat, as Sharon mentioned, the six foot waves on the Okeechobee, uh, there is some potential that in rough conditions you could end up in the water unexpectedly. Correct. And I just bought a second one. So now Sharon gets to have her own. Uh, but when we're on Lake Okeechobee, the waves hitting us, she asked me, she goes, where's that personal locator beacon at? And before we pull out with different crew members or different mates or whatever, we, I go over, I say, here's where the personal locator beacon is. Um, here's the magic red button on the, the radio to call for help. Just press this button and the Calvary will show up. Don't know if it'll be in two minutes or in 20 hours, but you know, this is the button and here's the button. So we do a safety briefing before we pull out with uh, anyone who's new who hasn't done it. And we check the vest, make sure that the cartridges haven't been popped or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So we are almost out of time, Mike. So just to wrap up, any advice you would have to um, people who are wanting to do the loop and then trying to, you know, figure out what's the right boat for them? So my advice is don't listen to all of us on the forum. Make your own decision. You go out, get yourself a good boat broker. AGLCA has a bunch of them uh, that are very helpful, very knowledgeable. 
And the thing is, cast off those lines and do it. You know, if you wait for next year or the year after or the year after, you may never do it. And this now's the time we get it going. Excellent advice, Mike. I want to thank you. And we had to say goodbye to Sharon early because she had a work obligation. But I want to thank both you and Sharon for being with us today and sharing the tales of your great loop in this docktail session. But also to thank you for the support that you offer loopers through the forum all the time and for the um, you've presented at several events for us about Chicago and about your loop. And I just want to thank you for the support and encouragement that you offer to other loopers. Um, you are a great asset to the organization and a great fun to be with. So thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. I had fun. And thanks to everyone who watched. We are doing these bi-weekly, so we'll be back again two weeks from today with another Doc Tales episode. Thanks for joining us. Take care.